He's one of the best classic riders of his generation, but last summer he suffered a crash that changed the trajectory of his career. After suffering multiple injuries, missing the rest of the season, and spending months off the bike, now he's on the road to recovery. Please welcome Michael Valgren today on Bobby and Jens. Okay, Michael Valgren, welcome to Bobby and Jens. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Hey, man, I can see that it's late there. Um, why don't you tell us what you just got finished doing? I mean, most people um, winding down right about now, but uh, I heard you had a, a little daddy duty and then had to go get a little pump in in the gym. Yeah, exactly. You know, I just... Just became the father of the, my second child, which is nothing compared to Jens, I guess, but I think uh, that's quite demanding. So uh, family is pushing a lot these days, and uh, yeah, I still got to do my do my job. I'm still, you know, getting back from my from my injury I had last year, so I have to keep up up the, the gym work. So I had a just a little late night uh, session going on. Uh, just finished here, like uh, yeah, nine thirty in the evening. So it's a uh, it's a late one today. Alrighty then, we expect an honest answer from you now. Have you ever changed a diaper at your kid or you leave that to your girlfriend or to your <laughs> wife? Honest answer, please. Uh, yeah, for me, that's that's also part of my daily job. No, I'm not fussy about that. But uh, my father-in-law, he cannot change a shitty diaper. I, I think he never changed it. You know, he just refused. But uh, I'm not going down that road. I, I, I'm all in for like, we all equal... I can do the same as women, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, you, you, there's no half gas in parenthood. Um, so you said you have two children now. How old is your oldest son then? He is about uh, three and a half. And the youngest one is like five months. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty full gas. Sounds like it. And are you, where, where are you right now? Are you in Monaco? Yeah, yeah, I'm in Monaco, yeah. Uh, I've been in Monaco now for six and a half years, actually. Uh, so time time flies. But I can actually, just a uh, note on that, we're going to move back home uh, this summer, back to Denmark, back to the roots, back to, you know, the western wind and, uh, and all the, the rough weather, uh, but also a lot more support. So that's going to be nice. Um, but yeah. Well, Mike, and for for our listeners, let let's get to it. Um, you had a very nasty crash last year in in France. I believe that was like in June, May June. Tell our listeners really what happened um, in in that crash and and how you've been dealing with it since. Yeah, poor. I'm not sure if I can do that short, but I'll you know make it as short as possible. Basically. To wind back a little bit, I got COVID in Tour of Norway. And, you know, then there was a bit of a question mark for me going to the tour. And the tour started in Denmark last year, obviously. So that's like a really big goal of mine. So I couldn't do Dauphiné with COVID. Uh, when I got back to training, I felt pretty pretty good, actually, after COVID. And then the team sent me to route uh, Occitania, I think it's called. Um, and they wanted to push me a little bit, you know. And... Uh, and I was second on stage two, so I, okay, yeah, I knew the shape was good. And then the last day was like a breakaway day, and TJ came into our room and said, "Michael, we need 
I'd like to see you in, in, in the breakaway the last day. Um, even though it's going to be a sprint, but it's like to test your form for the tour. And uh, so, yeah, that's like fine. You know, that's that's what I'm going to do. And then we start up really hard the day before the mountain stage. The first 30k was been downhill. And then four guys went, and I, I wasn't there. And I was like, shoot. Uh, and TJ goes in the radio. Is someone in the breakaway? Is Mike in there? I said, no. Um, okay, guys, close it down, and then Mike and you jump. Uh, up to them so the team started to pull but basically the peloton was happy with the breakaway so they just when Ben Healy started to pull he just basically went in the breakaway and I was like shit that should have been me you know so I just jumped like last minute before they blocked the road and just went super fast this descent and then basically the third corner I just had way too much speed and I I, I went straight in, in into the barrier and then and yeah I fell down what people say was, was 10 meters. Uh, there was a bit of a nasty crash. Uh, broke my pelvis and I fucked everything in my knee, basically. Um, so, yeah, that, 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 that was it. You know, like I, I, I remember everything from it. And I remember in the crash when it happened, I was like, okay, I can either just break and turn and, and know I'm going to crash or I can try and save it, just break as fast as possible and go straight. That's of course what I went for, but... I'm just carrying way too much speed, and I just went over the over the barrier and and and, and fell down this uh, this mountain. So then you obviously had several broken bones, and um, how much time you spent in hospital? What time you got out, and how was the process after that? How quick or how slow did you get back out to <laughs> to a normal life? Let's start with that. Yeah, that went really slow, Jens. To be honest, you know, like. I spent a few good days in Carcassonne Hospital. So I was going to get transferred to Nice because that's where there was a really good hip surgeon. Um, but they just, you know, kept me waiting, you know, and I don't speak French, they don't speak English, so there was really bad communication. And the first three days, I just laid in the bed in hospital in, in, in Carcassonne doing nothing. And then I was promised to get to Nice and I, I eventually got there and But then it took another three days before the surgery. So that was almost a week after the crash. Then they fixed my pelvis and that went actually really well. Uh, thank God. Like, was that was, that's like, the, that was the biggest issue basically from, from the starting point. And then I had to wait another thing was four days to get my knee done. And in my knee, I had torn or ruptured my ACL, MCL and meniscus. So all, all three of them. And, uh, Yeah, the surgery also went well, and I stayed another three days in hospital. So I think I was in total two weeks in hospital. But it took me quite a while before I was able to live a normal life. Just because the pain was so high, and yeah, I wasn't allowed to sit upright the first six weeks at all because of the hip, because of the dislocated uh, hip, it could fall out of place again. So I had to lay down most of the time. So that's the six or seven weeks I could take off take off the cast and then start to walk on crutches with it no weight on. But basically, since I got home from the hospital, I started the rehab straight away with a guy here in Monaco who who took care of Brumi and Egan and who's been taking care of Carapaz, Uran, like all the cyclists. And he was like, yeah, Mike, you're going to get back. You'll be fine. And three months, you'll be on the bike again. So like, that's like my goal. Okay, three months, I'll be on back on the bike. But eventually, it took... Five, five and a half before I even got to do a, a pedal stroke. I, I ran into a lot of complications with my knee. I had to do another surgery and 
almost did a third surgery in the knee just to, to fix it again. But luckily, uh, just after Christmas, which is basically the 26th of January, was when I would say I had a normal life without pain. So that was, yeah, six months. But until then, I had pain every day. Uh, all, all, like, in the beginning, obviously, a lot, but then less and less. But I had always a little bit of pain, and especially when I could start riding my bike, it was not, well, it, 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 it wasn't great. But, but yeah, just uh, over Christmas, things just clicked, and, and, and then it's been like upwards from, from there on, luckily. But it's been a really hard uh, six months. Like, it's, um, it's something I, I wouldn't wish for my worst enemy, you know. Oh boy. Yeah, you can say that again. I mean, let, let's face it, cycling is a dangerous sport. I mean, this can happen anytime, not just when a DS is putting the, the pressure on you to be in a breakaway. But, you know, cyclists, and I, I know you, and I think every cyclist is the same, you know, we all have our routine. And it's something that we've done for so long. It's just, you know, wake up in the morning, have some breakfast, have a coffee, go for a training ride, come back, get on the massage table, maybe take a nap, have dinner, go to bed, repeat, right? But like from one day to the next, um, that wasn't possible. And then, you know, the com compounding effect of, of the pain that you were having, um, you know, recovering from injury or or even sickness is not just a physical thing it's it's a mental thing um sounds like you had a pretty rough go of it um with with so much emphasis on on mental health how how do you think that you dealt with that from a, a mental side uh where did you did you get any help from the team or did you see any sort of um psychologist to to help you with that sort of stuff because i mean this is this happens to a lot of people and i'm always amazed of that untold story you know how they dealt with it mentally you know rather than physically yeah yeah and like you say it was just a big shock was it like you say with the routine and stuff that's one thing but the mental part was was really difficult luckily i think i had so good support from everyone like my family, my wife has been absolutely amazing. So we had family down the first six weeks when I, I couldn't do nothing. Basically, I had to get help with everything from like getting my undies on to go to, to the bathroom, get a shower, you know, um, everything. So the first six weeks we had family down. They, they took time from the vacation to come down and help us. I um, worked a lot with a mental coach, uh, which I always already started with in the beginning of December 21 so he also helped me get get through it that's for sure and then the team as well like the the team doctors uh, even all the DSs that then you know always asking how I how I'm feeling and really been following my progress and I had a um, team Cairo came down I think three or four times to Monaco to check up on me so I always been like not that I've been taken care of it was super nice even though, you know, like sometimes when you're in a shithole and you know, you also you just want to forget, then don't getting remembered about it the whole time, like how you're feeling. I've, I've been in shit today as well, you know, you don't want to repeat every day, but 
I think at some point it's also healthy to to talk about it, even though it's it's really painful. Um, and especially for me, because it just went so slow. I didn't see. I saw progress the first month, and then I stalled for basically two. And we worked so hard at the physio. I was at the physio every day for five to six hours doing rehab stuff with them and also like a lot of um how can you say like a uh, passive um machines you know i did a lot of uh, hyperbaric chamber in diva uh you know the ice machine um, game ready uh another thing that should help with the inflammation um like i, I was just doing everything you know and for two months i just didn't move a single centimeter forward that was really tough but then at that point i was like okay I might never get back to cycling again, you know. Um, that's basically when I had my second surgery that we found out and I, I needed another surgery to to move on. Uh, but that was really tough times. And then again, uh, one month was going well, but then I stalled again for a month and a half. And I, I was like, what is wrong with this this knee? But it was basically only my knee. I had the pain in. Like my hip was doing absolutely amazing. So that was like, that was super nice. You know, at least one of the things was was done well, but my knee just didn't want to, wanted to work with me. Um, so that, that that has been super, super hard, but like, I never missed a physio session. I had Monday to Friday every every every, every week for, for five months. That uh, I think I'm going to have to have to pay myself. It doesn't seem like the in, insurance is going to cover me, cover me to that's like a 30, 35, thousand forty grand I spend on that but I, I'm like I don't care how much money I'm going to spend but I just want to get back to back to my level you know uh, back to just being pain-free and 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 being normal um so yeah it it, it, it was something super tough times that, that, that's for sure like now when I sit and, and talk about it I'm like well it was I'm not sure I can go through that again you know and then like you said earlier cycling is a really dangerous sport and I saw the press yesterday of Dario Cataldo. Uh, you know, I just sent him all my best wishes because I just know how much pain he is in now, and and and, and the recovery he has ahead of him is is going to be hard. But I know if you keep fighting, it is possible to come back. You know, uh, so that's uh, at least one good thing. So if if I remember the timings right, in all this, your wife was highly pregnant and giving birth to your yeah. second child while you were basically another child she had to take care of, right? Because yeah. as you said, you couldn't yeah. even put your undies or your socks on. Your yeah. wife must be pretty much a legend, right? Maybe tell our listeners a little bit how she managed all that, taking care of a child, giving birth to another one, and having you on the sofa unable to yeah. move yourself. Mate, I, I don't know how she did it. Uh, we, we, had, we had quite a... Uh, a spectacular summer, <laughs> um, to put it uh, in a positive way. Uh, so basically, when I got home from hospital, my son, my first son, broke his broke his leg as well. He got hit by a car. Yeah, <laughs> he was on his bicycle. Uh, so that's another story. So he had two two kids at home with broken leg, you know, and she was pregnant and she started to get really big. Um, but there, but she, she's amazing. She's she's a tough tough, tough woman, you know, and she's helping me so much because she's also 
she's a, a serious psychologist as well. So, you know, she's like not my mentor, but I we, we she she learned me a lot to to deal with with things when things go bad, you know, and she just knows how she knows all the tools, you know, and then I think that's also what the thing she can use on herself in her, her daily life in a situation like this. But I gotta say, you know, after when I got on my seat, you know, I think that was just just in time because she was carrying a lot of weight. Um especially because she would make the story even longer. My first child was premature. And the second one was also in danger of death. So she was basically on the bed rest from week thirty. And that was just perfect timing because that was when I got to like um start to to be able to to walk on the crutches so I could start to do more at home. So basically when she was in bed rest, I could finally take over and 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 do all the things. So then we kind of swapped roles, uh, but that was that was tough times. So but then I, I was oh sorry about that. I was basically working like seven to seven, bringing Axel to school, grocery shopping, do my physio, picking him up, do the do the food. You know that was uh, uh, it's it's been quite quite crazy to be honest. And just to make it even even longer. We were supposed to have even more help from our family, but then we had some cancer in the family that then avoided the, um, my mother and father-in-law to come down. They both got cancer more or less at the same time, so it was just, uh, it's just been a fucking nightmare, to be honest. But luckily, everything is good now, both with my, parents, my, my father and mother-in-law, and I'm doing well. My second son was born on time. My wife is doing amazing, and we all help, you know. So it was, it's a uh, it's a pretty much heavy ending for, for for now. Wow, that that is yeah. a lot to yeah. kind of take in all at just, once. It was just um, just so just, just so crazy. Like this summer has been obviously the worst summer in our lives, but also I think it made us really really strong. Like we always try to look at, at the positive side of things, you know, and, and we we made through this, you know, and I didn't go into a depression, which I think could have been really, really easy in a situation like this, but uh, we managed to, to get past it, and, and I, I think we just, uh, just got even stronger. Well, let's, let's uh, you know, change the mood a little bit here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think what you just told us, uh, no one... No one wants to have to deal with, but okay. So you're you're on the bike again. Uh, I saw on Luke Rose Instagram that you guys were out riding. I saw you doing intervals. You've always looked, you know, so good on the bike. Tell us a little bit about what the next steps are. Um, you know, you you said you've been supported by your team, um, but doing the research, I actually realized that you are on the development team of EF Education Nepo. So how does that work? Are they allowing you to kind of come back into, I would call it the minor leagues, you know, using baseball as a sport of a reference here, so that you're not forced to like go back into the world tour, like full gas, that you have a little bit of time to kind of adapt to the level of racing again? Yeah, that's basically right. So... When things were looking really bad, um, I was starting to look into like uh, disability insurance and all that stuff, if I should retire. But 
didn't make sense. And then I think the team was like, is Michael going to get ready for next year? Probably not how things are going now. And I was basically taking a, a spot from, from someone else, you know? So we, we found a solution that I could drop down to the Conti team and they could get a new rider, which was actually maybe Honoré, I uh, assume. Um, but with um, me actually going back to the World Tour team, if everything is going as planned, 1st of August, the uh, basic thing when, when the, the transfer season starts. Um, so I am getting back on the World Tour team from 1st of August. Um, but basically, it's more like an administration kind of thing because I'm not going to race with the development team, as I understand. I'm basically just going to do the smaller 1.1 races or one, uh, 2.1 races, like a one pro race or whatever they're called now, um, with the World Tour team. But like, So I can do, I think, all the races that are not World Tour with the team. Basically... Many, many teams do it with their uh, development team. I know Jumbo Visma, FDJ, they do it the whole time. See if they do like now, maybe Kopi Bartoli, they'll be like half Conti team, half World Tour team. And uh, so that's also what I'm going to do. Uh, and actually, I have my first race in the calendar already. So uh, so things are looking looking really good. Uh, I'm on the on the right path and I'm, I'm training like normal now, just with the supplement of, of, of the gym. I step down to two times per week now instead of three times because I basically need to get my strength and muscle back in in the leg. But um, everything is going as it should, so I'm actually in a in, in a really good uh, really good way now. So you do have a license already? Did you took your license already in January, like fully trusting the process? I will be back. I take a license in January, like every other year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. completely. Yeah, never had any any doubts. That is Maybe fantastic. <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And your first race is coming up in what? In about a week, two weeks, or you cannot really tell us yet. I, I can tell you. Uh, it's in two weeks. I'm doing... A base, I guess you, you guys did it both. Uh, Secret de la South. Uh, oh, hell yeah. Of course I did yeah. that. Of course I yeah. did. But now it's a new name now and it's a new structure. There's no TT anymore. It's just... It's four days. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that. It, it starts in two weeks exactly today. So I'm super excited. I, I can't wait. And it would be fantastic for you. Like, it's a hard race. You're going to suffer. But it's not the Alps, it's not the Pyrenees, so you will go yeah. through it, but you will have to stretch your legs. It, it it will be challenging, but manageable. Perfect start. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. So the thing is, like, just to to talk a bit about more the injury, basically I was pain free from the 25th of December. But then I got sick, like everyone else. But luckily, I basically had nothing to lose. So I just took a, took a rest, and I got back in Monaco the 6th of January. That's when I started to train, like, I wouldn't say normal, but since I had my first, like, training plan. So since 6th of December, I, I've been training the training plan and building up, building up, building up, like a normal off-season, more or less. And um, yeah, i say the last two, three weeks, I've been, I'm not flying, but I feel like I'm flying. My numbers are really good. My balance on the bike is, like, 50-50 when I'm pedaling. So everything is, is going really well, and... 
a speed actually pretty ready to race. Uh, but I, like you say, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be good to get out and and stretch my legs, but also just to see where am I actually, what what do I miss, and 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 stuff like that. So it's gonna be super cool. We'll be back after this short break. I was gonna ask you. You know, you you've been in this sport for a very very long time. You are one of the hardest workers that that I ever saw um, on on a team that we were on together. This little break, this little time, you're, you're not the the same Michael Valgren, right? Like the sport has changed. You have changed. I'm wondering, is there anything that you see in the sport now through a different lens compared to if things were just all peachy all the time? Is there, I don't know, any critique or any different way that you'll carry yourself through throughout your your comeback? I learned a lot. Uh, about the body, about how it's working. Basically, like a rehab is kind of like a training program, you know, like you need to work hard, but you also need to take your rest days. And probably your rest days is the most important. And that's something I have never been really good at as a bike rider. And that's something that I have been doing since I started my new training plan. And I can really feel the benefit of me taking like a complete full rest day instead of going for two hours and go be easy, but then still, you know, do a climb in Cosmonaco. It's not flat, you know, so that's not really a rest day. Um, but I feel so much better the day after. Uh, so that, it's a simple thing that I probably always knew, but just never did it. Uh, but now I do it and it's, it's a game changer, basically. Like, um, so just that one day of recovery or even two days, you know, it's, it's, it makes a huge difference for, uh, for those training blocks when I, when I do them instead of just doing seven days per week or all month, you know? So yeah, that, that, that that's, that's the biggest thing I think, you know, and yeah. Um, I guess, I hope you did watch some of the cycling in TV. Did you learn anything about that? Because I remember old teammate of mine, Stuart O'Grady. He had a fourth break as well because of an injury. And he said, I learned so much by watching Perry Roubaix from the helicopter of when to be at the front and when not to be at the front. Uh, did you have any experiences like that where you went, ah, that's how they win? Uh, um, nah, I, I, think I, I think I was good enough to do that already. No, I, I don't know. No, I don't know. Like, um, I like to watch bike racing, and I'm a, I'm actually a really good uh, TV commentator. You know, I can basically say now he's gonna go, you know, or now they're gonna stop. Uh, so, and I think that's also one of my strengths. Like I, I know how to read a race, but, but definitely I think it's really important to look at bike racing just to, like you say, improve. Look when to be where and when not to be there, and you know when to sp spend your bullets. Uh, I think it's actually really, really important. Especially now, like you say, cycling is just changing basically from race to race, how how we're racing, but people are getting so much better and so much stronger. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a really interesting topic. And going from like full race mode, full training mode, to basically, like you said, you didn't move a centimeter for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. What... what... Was your 
your diet like? I mean, it it couldn't have been fun just sitting there not being able to move. But I mean, obviously, food is going to help your recovery process and the right amounts of food, the right kinds of food. And I know you've always been very, very careful with your diet. Um, was that something that you really had to to emphasize due to the fact that you weren't out there training three to seven hours a day? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. So basically, um, I was getting a lot of protein to rebuild the muscle or just keep the muscle. And that's also something that I've been using afterwards since actually, but I feel like when I get enough protein, I recover much better. I was not always really great to get a protein shake after hard training, you know, because I want to skip calories, blah, blah, blah. And, and that's, that's also been absolutely fantastic. So I work really closely with the nutritionists, um, the team to, to get the exact amount of protein, at least during my rehab. To not lose too much muscle mass, uh, so we did a, a pretty dialed-in new new nutrition, get enough vitamin D still, calcium, and all this stuff. Because uh, I had potentially uh, there was a potential that my bone in the hip would go into something called necrosis, basically when the bone is dying. Um, and there was signs of that after the first check, but it is quite common because there was no pressure on it for the first six or seven weeks uh, so when I did the second check it was already looking good again so that was nice and I was like oh shit do I now need like a fake hip or something uh, uh, but luckily that's not the, not the case um, I was doing a lot of um, what's it called now collagen uh, as well uh, that's really good for like uh, muscle and tissue re- repairing and ligaments and stuff like that so so yeah there was uh definitely some some changes in the in the in my uh in my diet especially when my my mom and my, my mother-in-law was here in the first time they were like weighing all the food for me so I, 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 at least i got all my protein and and the thing is when you don't work out you're not so not so hungry you know like but i was just forcing actually myself to eat but i i knew i had I had to eat it um and that was just one thing i was really afraid that i was going to get like really really freaking big uh big and fat you know because i tend to gain weight pretty easy in the off season but this time it's just not, not the case like i didn't say i lost the weight in, in in the beginning but that was probably also because the body was just working so hard to recover but um but yeah that that was also a really good learning process uh and also something then something that i that i i use now uh like today, I did this uh, late gym session, and I have a a night protein home in the in the fridge. I prepared already. So the snow, if I don't get that, I will have so sore muscles for tomorrow. But if I have that, it's crazy what what it does overnight. This night protein. A question that just crossed my mind when you said about your hip and surgery and uh, checking on hip. You still have any metal pieces left in your body, or it's all taken out and stitched together, and no more metal, no more screws left in your body? Yeah, I still have uh, some metal, or I don't even know what what thing they use. But I have something in my hip. I have like a, a plate and two screws. Nothing, n- nothing major. But like, remember when I woke up from the surgery and saw my scar? It's like it's it's big. Like it's. Uh, maybe 30 centimeters, you know? And I was like, what the heck have they been doing, you know? Um, so, 
So that scared me a little bit actually. But then I saw the X-ray, and you can see what they have put in. It's not nothing crazy. It's like a little, little piece, and then yeah, two big screws to, to keep it together. Um, and that's gonna stay in there for for, for always. Hey Bobby, uh, question for you: Do you have metal pieces left in your body? I have in each hand a little bit of metal left from crashes. How about you, Bobby? I am happy to report that I do not have a single piece of metal in my body and um, probably going to have to knock on wood here, but I'm actually not a real cyclist because I have never broken my collarbone. So I am planning on going out for a mountain bike ride this afternoon <laughs> and I better bring my lucky clover with me because I just said that, but uh, no, I, I got off pretty, pretty easy, luckily. Michael, I mean, you were a total badass on the bike, and I'm so, ex you know, we, we just talked about possibly your worst day on the bike, but, you know, you had some amazing days on the bike. You won Amstel Gold, you won Newsblood, you won, you know, you know podium on uh, in the World Championships. Let's, what, what was your best day? I don't want to hear about your worst day anymore. I don't want to hear about the trials and tribulations. I want to hear about the best day that you had on the bicycle? I think my best day I had was Worlds in Austria, 2018. Uh, I was so close to win that one, but then the organizer decided to put in this uh, hill climb or whatever they called it. It's basically ruined my chance for the win. I was solo away, I went on the second last climb and then Yeah, I got caught on that climb, a cage to the top maybe or something like that. And but that was like a, a race for the like real climbers, like you know, Melverde he won, and I think but they were on the podium and he was a proper climbers, you know. That was a race I was actually really, really proud of. Was was not a race suited for a classic rider like me, like at all. I think that was the only guy above seventy kilos in top twenty, you know. Um but I just had, you know, that season I had I was just walking on water. Basically, everything I did was just the right decision. Uh, and it was all just pure in instinct, you know? And on that day, I just had such an amazing week up to, I still like, okay, I'm really flying. I, I, I said to my dad, like, I don't even think they, they can drop me, you know? I'm just so confident. Um, yeah, and, and then I showed it. I took the horn or the bull by horn and just attacked the, uh, 20 odd K to go or something and almost made it, you know, and I think I was again six or seven, which is like no one would remember, but, but yeah, I do. So I think that was my best day on the bike. If you would have a wish granted and you could pick one single race, you can win whatever you want. What would you pick? Uh, for me, it's easy. I, I world championships, uh, I just love that race, wherever it is. It's just a special vibe, riding with the national team, with the with the old boys, you know. And uh, I just love it. And yeah, so and you get to ride in a jersey for a whole year, unless you're Matt Spellerson and have a COVID year. <laughs> uh, otherwise, I think it's just uh, it's just it's, it's just so so cool, you know. Um, yeah. Well. Tell us a little bit about what it's like having Danish nationality these days. I mean, 
you guys are producing some amazing writers. Um, yeah. You know, started uh, off a long time ago, but it just seems these last couple years, it's just Danish guys everywhere. And I read something when I was doing a little research this morning. Did you and jo Jonas Venigo work at the same fish factory? Because is there something magical about working in a fish factory that turns Danish kids into great cyclists? Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, well, yeah, we did. Um, Jonas and I are from the same area. We grew up together. We've been on many holidays together with the with the bike when he was a he he, he was a young kid, you know. And so basically, I taught him everything, obviously. <laughs> and, um, but then we had uh, a really good friend, both of us. Uh, who works uh, he has his own fish uh, factory so I didn't work there but I work at the, the actual fish auction and Jonas also started there but I think that was a bit too early for Jonas I think when he was a bit young he was a bit lazy he couldn't get up in time you know and uh, then my friend offered him a job at his place instead it's a bit more reasonable working hours and then my friend could also like, use Jonas to go on the bike with him you know after work um, so, so I think Jonas, he worked very briefly at the same fish option like me, but, uh, yeah, he was there, uh, but maybe there's something, uh, good in the Danish fish. I don't know. And, um, you want to put your kids with same fish factory or what's your plans for your children <laughs> and then in the future? Yeah. Maybe, you know, when I retire, I can take over my dad's boat. He's a fisherman. And then my, my son can take over from there. Uh, for me then uh, well uh, no um, I think that I think it's a really rough industry to be honest uh, especially the work Jonas were doing was not not the nicest I think he was um, you know what when you cut the fish open and remove all the test and make it ready for like uh, you know the, the feeling or, or whatever and I think that they have to work in cold rooms and Bad uh, standing, uh, bending with the back a lot, and uh, I don't think it's super nice to be honest. But respect for the guys who do it. But uh, I, I wouldn't put my kids. Uh, I hope they're both going to be academics, maybe doctor or uh, something like that. So when did you know that Jonas was had the potential to win the Tour de France? I mean, was it on one of your little family vacation rides? Because I don't know. Like I know I'm not like knee deep in the sport anymore but he kind of came out of nowhere in my mind and then all of a sudden was second in the tour and then he won the tour last year but since you've known him for so long when when did you and, and you've taught him everything that he knows of course <laughs> yeah. um when when did you did you ever think that he could win the tour de france no not at all not a chance you know like i'm so amazed that that Jonas kept riding because he was such a bad bike rider as a kid and for a long time. Like he was, he was really bad. Maybe because he was he was tidy and he's always been super small. And being so small in Denmark is not not easy. But every bike race, every weekend, he get dropped as one of the first guys, you know. But he has fun. I think he got new friends, you know. You know, just what kept him going. And then all of a sudden, I think when he went into puberty. He became a little better, but he was still like not great. But then, um, so the friend, 
at the six fish factory and another friend of mine, my best friend, they both are bike riders and they were just like, you know, dragging Jonas on training every day because Jonas was super lazy. They had to go to his house, like, you know, knock on the door. I mean, now we're going, okay, you know, um, and then they forced him and then all of a sudden he, he just did a little muscle and then. Uh, so my best friend, he was in this country team in Denmark and they had a lot of injuries. So he told their sports director, Hey, you should take Jonas. He's, he's available. He's on running at the C level out of, you know, A, B and C and B. Um, so they, they gave Jonas a chance and I think he wasn't great in the beginning, but then all of a sudden he was like, you know, popped out and just an amazing test, uh, on the climbs and then they had some contacts to Yombo and they tested him and they found out yes super hard you know and then Yombo took a chance on Jonas and I think they did a really great job not pushing him you know they just like they made him do all the smaller races in the beginning and then you know just developing him slowly and and then yeah it all just worked out you know and now he's the winner of the Twitter draft you know and it's just it's just insane it's just it's, it's, it's a crazy story like all the guys who know Jonas and where I'm from, they, they would never have thought it. Like never, ever in a million years that we would have won the tour. It's just unbelievable. So crazy. So with that many Danish talents and young talents, they can still keep going for a long time. Do you guys, you Mats Pedersen, Jonas, you ever dream about a proper Danish team? Or is that just, nah, that's just somewhere in the stars and will never happen? I mean... Uh, Uno X is pretty close. It's half Norwegian, half Danish a little bit. But yeah. um, do you guys ever dream of a proper Danish team? Yeah, I think it was. I would love it. Like, I, I was on kind of a Danish team when I started at Saxo Bank in, in 14. But that was just when Tinkoff got in. So it just was kind of going the wrong way. But that was probably one of the best teams I've ever been on. I don't know. It was... You know, of course, I was a, I was a new, new pro, and everything was just nice. You know, I was a new new pair of socks every day. You know, but uh, um, but that, that that was amazing. You know, it was, it was a really great team. Bobby, you've been there yourself, and it was uh, new as well, Jens, CSC. You know, and when Biano was in his in his good days, like everything was doing a hundred percent. Like they had the best staff, the best directors, the best equipment. You know, and and all this thing and. And then if you can be around Danish guys, I think it would be really fantastic. The only thing is, we also saw when the Danish guy was, was spread out to different teams, that's where we finally finally became much better. Because I think when we had a Danish team, or half Danish, with them we had like, you know, Contador, Sagan, you guys, you know, then Danish guys had to ride with you. But then when we came to other teams, we can finally start to ride our own chance and see them were good enough. So I think it's it's there's some positive things with the Danish team and, and, and also some, some bad things. But yeah, I I would love to finish my career on a Danish team with some young kids. I could learn a lot and and uh, you know, maybe stay after and be a PS or, or or a coach or something like that, you know. I think that would be absolutely amazing. But but I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be hard, you know, to find the sponsors. Um but there's still this, this doping thing going around with the big Danish sponsors. They're so afraid of doping case, you know. So I think it's something we have to just have to dream about, to be honest. Well, Michael, 
Thank you so much for spending some time with us. I know that park bench there in Monaco probably is not the most comfortable thing. I want you to go up and get that protein shake, woof that thing down so your muscles recover and you can go out for another big day of training tomorrow. Thank you so much for being our guest today on Bobby and Jens. You are welcome. I have a little side note, to be honest, if I can quick get it in. I have done my first race this year, by the way. I did... um... Any? Yeah, I did the, the Grand Fondo of Spada Bianchi. Uh, and uh, I eventually ending up winning it. And um, it didn't go out well. Like, I was so many of these uh, Grand Fondo amateurs who were so angry at me. And I was there interfering with the race. And uh, it was actually quite... Uh, but it was, it was super fun. But the really interesting point was, obviously, this race is like an hour shorter than the, than, than the, the pro race. But uh, the last 50 minutes of the Grand Fondo and the last 50 minutes of last year when I was 11 in Stade Bianchi had exactly the same numbers. 390 normalized and 330 average power for, the, for the, both races. So that's just, there you can see it taking quite a high level in, this, in these Grand Fondo races. And then it's quite, quite fun to see also for myself to see that, okay, I'm actually, I am almost where I want to be. Obviously, it was an hour hours shorter but still like numbers normally don't lie so so yeah i, I kind of got my first win or I, I i cannot win but i was a pro so i was not in the official um uh, uh results uh but i i crossed the line second i, I, I went into the line with the danish guy so i let him pass first but he we uh, win it uh but i kind of i dropped him up to up to siena and then waited for him uh but that was actually quite cool to be in a bunch again, but it was, it's a proper bunch, you know. We started a blog of 500 guys, and uh, so I had a really good experience there. And, uh, and yeah, so so I think um, I think everything's starting to turn around again, and it's going to be a great season. And I'm going to get back to my back to my best, and I'm going to get back to winning rankings again. No pressure, my friend, but we expect yeah. a little <laughs> miracle in the sequela yeah. now. Oh, that is so awesome! Yeah, yeah. But thanks for sharing the story with us. That is really nice and for sure reassuring for you that the numbers are good and you are about there where you want to be at this part of the season. Exactly. Thank you, guys. So it's amazing to be uh, to be here and uh, yeah, see you on the road. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Huge thanks to Michael for being our guest. Thanks for listening and please give us a five-star review and share us with your friends. The show was a Bellow News production in association with Shock Giraffe. The producer was Mark Payne and this episode was edited by Tim Moza. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bobby and Jens and let us know if you grew up with a top sportsman and if you were surprised they made it.